You're now tuning into the Cosmic Convos Podcast. I'm your humble host, Herut, and we got the man of the hour, Brother Ra. How you doing? Oh, brother, you know, taking it a day at a time, enjoying life. How about yourself, man? Hey, man. Same thing here, man. Same thing. Same thing here, man. Just, you know, busy as all get out, but, you know, we we up to it, up to the challenge. <laughs> Indeed. Yep. Um, but before we get too, um, too deep in today's conversation, um, I want to remind you all that this episode was brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calabrucia Astrology. Um, you can um, follow and find um, Push It Forward Media Group on Instagram at Push It Forward. That's P-U-S-H-I-T-F-W-D. And um, you can also find us on the web um, at pushitforward.com, spelled like the, just like the Instagram handle. And, um, you know, go check us out. You know, we got a lot of uh, video projects, got some short films coming up real soon. Um, we even got some articles up there. Um, and for Calaprusha Astrology, uh, Brother Rob, would you, how, how does the people get in, to- in contact with you? Uh, you can give me a con- in contact with uh, me at uh, calaprushaastrology at gmail.com, or you can easily, easily hit me up on Facebook uh, at Calap- uh, excuse me, at Shechem Ra, or you can hit me up on IG at Shechem Ra as well. So either one of those should definitely get you in contact with me. Good deal, good deal. And um again, don't forget to follow us, you know, on um Instagram at Cosmic Convo. C O S M I C C O N V O at Cosmic Convo on Instagram. Um there you can access questions, you know, we make certain po- posts to kind of, you know, help, you know, expand knowledge on certain concepts that we might have, you know, talked about on the show and um you know, just you know, it's just good for the support, you know. Um <clears throat> also whatever um platform that you listen to this podcast on, go ahead and subscribe to us there as well. You know, um it definitely helps, you know, with the growth of the podcast and um, you know, we got some things coming um in the future, um, where your support and uh, you know, it it it'll be real key to make some of that stuff happen. So, um, yeah, make sure y'all go out there and do that. All right. So, um, yeah, we're, um, we're at episode 21, you know, we're, um, coming, you know, rounding out the end of this first season of this, um, podcast. And I say, this has been, um, definitely a great experience. Um, how about yourself, uh, brother? Rob? Uh, I, brother, it's, rewarding just to be able to you know see uh, a lot of the people learn you know from the the podcast and be able to see the people can really take it into their own hands and begin the process of studying and learning so 
uh, that to me in in and of itself has been you know uh, the the best thing that I could ask for out of this podcast. So I definitely been getting a great deal of enjoyment out of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, indeed. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> to that note, um, we actually got a, a question from one of our listeners. Uh, you want to answer a question? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So um, from Instagram, got somebody who asked, "Can a sign rule two houses at the same time? What is an incept- interception? Is that a valid concept?" Okay. Okay. Um. Can a sign rule two houses? And the, the addendum to that would probably be the interception, right? Yeah. Um, because in other forms of astrology, and there's different forms, there's different ways that individuals utilize the 360 degrees of the heavens. So... <clears throat> um, in the system that I use, no. And the reason, let me explain a little bit about what the system is, and it might make a little sense. So, no sign in the heavens is exactly 30 degrees. There's, they just don't exist. Some of them are a little less than 30 degrees. Some of them are more than 30 degrees. So, when you're actually taking into consideration the view of the heavens from the constellational point, there are signs that extend well beyond the 30-degree demarcation of what we consider as a sign or slash a house. So with that, you may have time, have it at times within uh, what's called the Placidia system, or um, there's another system that uses it as well, where you may have a sign that overlaps the third and the, sec- the second and the third house, or the third and the fourth house. So in that system, in the in the Placidia system, or some others would label or connect that Placidius to what is called Krishnamurti Padhati, which is a whole other system in Jyotish or in yeah. um, Indian astrology. Um, yes, technically it can, right, in that system. But that system is, um, it takes a, it takes a, a teacher to show you certain things and how to read it and how to look at it. It's very different from the system that I use, which is an equal house system. And what we do is we take the 360 degrees and we demarcate it 30 degrees representing each sign equally so that each sign has the ability to affect every course of our life in equal dimensions and equal ways. Um, And so it's 360 degrees. Some people say no, it's you know, Pisces is 34 degrees. And so we use and that and overlap that with, you know, Aries, which Aries in the night sky, you all, is really small. I mean, it's very, very small. It's one of the smallest constellations there are. It technically is not 30 degrees. Yeah. But we use an equal house base, an equal house system so that we can get the same measurement just like a clock, right? If we're looking at time, and time is a very constant thing. It's just constant. There's a consistency to it that you can gauge, that can yield certain results. So we use that same mentality in the equal house system to represent all signs equally. Nothing will be more than 30 degrees. Nothing will be less than 30 degrees, irrespective of the actual size it is in the sky. Now, 
even with Placidius or with that system, when you look up at the night sky, you will still see the respective planets in those constellations, regardless. There are yeah. a few that maybe overlap where that are shortened, like Virgo shares a portion of Libra, right? Aries shares a portion, I mean, Pisces shares a portion with Aries. And some of the other constellations do that. So when you understand that, um, then you can say, okay, yeah, in in an interception and a house that is over a sign that is overlaid over two houses, technically in that system, yes. But I don't use it. I've used it in the past. There's reasons why I don't. If it behooves you, I don't use something because someone else says to use it. I use it because it works. And yeah. so, for me personally, the Placidia system just has too many faults, too many loopholes, too many innuendos that can slide things through, and the interpretation process is a little different. In fact, it's a lot different because you're going to get results that are going to be different, especially when you're trying to predict. That's where the systems really differ vastly. So, um, to answer your question, yes, you can in the Placidius system, but in the system that I use, which is an equal house system, no, you cannot. So, hopefully that a lot illuminates it a little bit for the audience. Yeah, indeed, and, you know, um, you know, not, not to <laughs> rub it you on the wrong way or anything like that, but you could, you really, do, I, I haven't really seen a significant change in predictive power. Um, using the placidius system with kp or anything like that you know mm -hmm. I, I, you know you can you know predict um you know very sufficiently without taking that approach absolutely in fact we're gonna see we're gonna we won't see predictions but we'll see confirmations of what could have been a prediction had this individual gone to a competent astrologer with the same equal house system so yeah. um, I've seen some phenomenal things with Placidius. Don't get me wrong. I have seen some phenomenal things with the system. But it takes years. And I mean, I'm talking about at least 15 to 20 years to use it in a way that is consistent. Because there's so many different variables with the different house systems. It just gets very overwhelming. So I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I don't need it. Uh, I'm familiar with it. I've used it. I've tested it. But to me, Equal House just it it just works better for me. But everyone has their thing. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah. So definitely appreciate that question. You know, because um, you know, a lot of people hear a lot of different concepts and stuff like that. And um, you know, we uh, we definitely uh, you know, are are open to you know delving in any little subjects and you know in the realm of astrology that you know you guys come up with so thank you for the question um yeah and then another thing you know what's been going on with our audience um you know we were just talking about it i was looking at you know the different countries that we're in and um you know of course you know the united states dominates um our um listener base but second to the united states is seychelles we got a we got a nice little chunk of um, <laughs> listeners out there in the Seychelles Island off the um, east coast of Africa, you know, um, near Madagascar. I don't I don't know. 
how we reach them. But uh, for all our listeners out there in Seychelles, man, we definitely appreciate you, man. Tell tell all your peoples, you know. <laughs> Indeed. What you think about that, brother? Rob? Uh, yeah, man. I am definitely um, surprised, you know what I mean? Not to say that, you know, not to say that uh, not appreciate it, but definitely surprised. So, you know, whoever's out there in Seychelles, you know, send us a line, shoot us. You know, shoot us a kite, hit us an email or something, say what's up, and, you know, say uh, how you got wind of us or, you know, how you like the show. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, after Seychelles, um, we got the UK. That makes sense. It does. Um, we, we, we both know a good, good, you know, bunch of people out there in the UK. We do. Um, and then um, Brazil. And then Brazil. Canada. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What's up, yeah, Brazil? <laughs> maybe the, the, uh, you know the uh, our, our Risha, <laughs> right? About, right. About our Brazilians, and, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. So yeah, we definitely, definitely appreciate that. Um. So yeah, you know. Um. Let's go ahead and you know delve into today's topic. Um. And um. You know, this is um. You know, a request that came from um. You know, one of our listeners. Is that right, um, brother? Rock? Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to the brother. Um, uh, uh, he definitely hit me up in person and said he would like to see this particular individual's chart explore, which it is actually one that has been talked about in a few um, conversations regarding astrology. So it's not something I've never I've heard of a few, but it's been a while. So this one may not this may one may be new to the listeners. But uh, I've definitely heard it been dis- being discussed uh, at length. So it is definitely one that has been rectified and looked at in many, many different ways. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely he did. He, it was a request in here. If y'all have a request or you want us to explore something like a person's chart or an event and you have good data, um, let us know. You know, we'd love to, you know, add that into the show and really show and prove, you know, what the science is all about. So, um, you know, D-Wash, you know, this one's for you, bruh. You know, this one, this is, uh, this is your request. So, um, today Indeed. we're going to get into Richard Pryor, you know. The legend. Yeah, the icon. The legend, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're going to see why in a minute, right? He's the legend, yeah. right? Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, we've covered some interesting people so far, I have to say. You know, absolutely. Um, we've had. I think, some... I think w- 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 with us, you know, I mean, you know, we're we're we're, we're two, you know, black brothers here. We can we we'll touch on some people that, um, you know, some other astrologers won't you know won't really talk about that much. Um, just us having that background and the different, you know, people that you know um popped up on our radar coming up and the current events and things like that so i think that's a we bring a different flavor to the astrology world in that regard you know yeah yeah indeed indeed we touched some of the debate you know the the, the main people that everyone touched like their bill gates and stuff like that but you know i haven't really seen nobody do drake <laughs> right right i haven't either man that's true a lot of the people we touch on you know, um, like you said, because of we are that that uh, ethnic you know persuasion, we have a different approach on our show. Yeah. But nonetheless, we touch on the general you know t- folks to touch up. But we do touch on those that you know you might find you might have to find this one somewhere. You know, 
<laughs> yeah. But, Indeed. Um, but as for Richard, you know, um, you know, it's a lot of um, controversy that's been recently in the kind of um, YouTube land, if you will. Um, uh, it was uh, recently, and this is not to say anything negative about anybody, because I don't know the truth, and this man is long gone, um, and we won't know, and, and some things aren't meant to know. Um, but, yeah. you know, there's been a controversy with him recently with regards to uh, Paul Mooney, uh, which, uh, both of which I have a lot of respect for, both of which I think are pioneers uh, for our people in the land, in the world of, of comedy and entertainment. Um, and it's unfortunate that, you know, um, they're not here to talk it out. You know, they're not here to discuss the um, uh, the common, you know, consensus of what people are saying about, you know, Paul Mooney and what people are saying about um, Richard Pryor, both of which um, I'm sure were um, uh, very close at one point. So it's yeah. very unfortunate. Um, but nonetheless, definitely he's been in the news. Uh, his son has been in the news. Um, and we're going to talk about a little bit about, um, you know, his life in regards to some of the conjecture, some of the things that have been said outright, even by himself, that he's admitted. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, we're going to see why he would have done those things and why he would have been the type of individual that... Um, would put his life on display in a way, you know. He put his yeah. life on display in a way. A lot of people, um, for the most part, especially in the entertainment field, of course, they just, you know, and they have a right to their privacy. They have a right, you know. Everyone has a right to, you know, experience some degree of of, of personal, you know, uh, existence, and so. Um, but this man, you know, was one that definitely um, broadcast and portrayed, you know, the inner the inner realms of his subconscious. And talking about that and starting off, you know, Richard Pryor is born. Um, what is? Let me see the date on that one. He is born um, December first, nineteen forty. Right. And so um, that puts him, son, of course, the sun signs in Scorpio, but his ascendant, he's born at 1302, which is a good time, y'all. It's a really solid time. I've checked it. I've looked at different things, different aspects. It's a really solid time. So 1302 is his time. Um, Peoria, Illinois is the city which he's born in. Uh, so you all can run those numbers and definitely come up. Kind of come up with it and look at it yourself and explore it yourself. But, uh, you know, starting off, uh, when he entered into this particular physical plane, he was, uh, he's a Pisces ascendant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have to be real careful about generalizing certain things um, with regards to looks and things like that from the ascendant and from the physiology, because there's so many things that modify how a person will look, right? Um, the one thing that you always want to pay very close attention to is the ascendant, the ascendant degree, and the ascendant lord, meaning the ruler of the first house, which in this case is Jupiter, 
Yeah. Now, before we move into the ruler and where it all is and all that kind of stuff, I just want to talk about some degrees and how things work in this system. So, the degrees are very specific. We talked about the degrees a little bit in nakshatras, right? About the crucial importance of understanding um, how these sp specific degrees are kind of shift the energy within the context of a sign. So Pisces is not going to be Pisces the same way Pisces is for this person, for that person, this person, that person, this person, that. It's all going to be very different because it's calibrated to give that person a very specific set of experiences. And so with, 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 with Richard, his degree is zero degrees. Right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty uh, significant. And yeah. the reason is, is because when a person is born at a zero degree demarcation, it's almost like they're, the, they're almost like have a leg in in another world, but they're still physically in this world. Mm. And so that zero degrees kind of pulls him a little bit into the Aquarian side of things. But he is actually Pisces, zero degrees. And that zero degrees, between zero degrees and three minutes, uh, zero degrees and three degrees, 20 minutes, is actually called the degree of merriment. Well, it's not the degree, but it's the portion of merriment for a Pisces, right? And he's in what's called, he's born in Porva Bhadrapada, mm -hmm. right? So Porva Bhadrapada is ruled by Jupiter, just like Pisces is ruled by Jupiter. So we talked about sublords, right, and rulerships. So this particular portion of Pisces is double ruled by Jupiter. So with that, it actually is called the portion or pata or piece of, of Pisces that is called the, the, um, the portion of merriment. Right, and this is, it says exactly that it's literally that translates as the portion of merriment. Well, we right have the way we have a way to kind of take that word and then filter it or run it through a processor where we understand what they're really saying. Merriment is just another way of saying someone's kind of really jolly, right? But they're also very jovial, which is a Jupiterian type thing. But they're also yeah. com com comedic, or they make laughter, right? Literally, this is this man's degree. I mean, zero degrees falls within that context. When I saw that, I said, it just dropped the mic, like, wow. Mm. Wow, right? So, you know, when you know that, that sets the stage, right? Yeah. That sets the stage for his whole life. This man was born to make people laugh. Right? Born to do this. This is his thing. This is you can't take you couldn't take this away from him. He has the gift of laughter, right? And I don't know about you, man, but you know, back in the day, I used when I used to date women, make me laugh. You know what I mean? Laughter is a power that moves things. Oh right? yeah, it's essential. It is. Especially, especially, <laughs> especially when you're court or even just, yeah, it's essential. Absolutely. I mean, it's a power that we don't yeah. we take for granted, but the power to make someone laugh, to remove their inhibitions, 
right, is a gift from the gods, right? I mean, think about it, you know, if you're hating someone and they make you laugh, right, the laughter diffuses the animosity, right? When you are mad at your mate and you make a joke and it lands right, 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 it diffuses the whole thing. So, you know, it's a gift and the gift is given to someone that is has has experienced a broad range of life to give him a very specific purview of purview and an ability to convey that laugh convey that laughter and that merriment in a very um satirical but real and real way right yeah. and we're going to see why in just a second right why that that pata, that specific zero degrees, release right through an individual that had so much of a so much of a tumultuous life, right. So, starting off right to zero degrees, right, right. He Pisces. The one thing about Pisces is that you'll find many of them need constant stimulation, right. They have to. They're constantly engaged in something. Right. Constantly. Because think about it. For them to sit still means for them to start to imbibe some of those energies around them, right? Because it's a footless sign. It has no feet. Pisces is the one sign that has no feet, meaning the winds, people, environments, right? Um, situations can move a Pisces with ease. Very hmm. easy. Right, and it doesn't appear to be that way, but inside it's a it's a it's a, a, a smorgasbord of emotion. Right, they have so much inner of their inner world at their disposal. The outer world is almost silenced to a degree, and so when anything comes from that outer world, it becomes like a loud clangoring noise where Piscean energy is overwhelmed. So this type of energy has to stay constantly stimulated in order to avoid certain things that they know can be filtered into their spirit with ease. Yeah. And it's an automatic thing. Automatic. You don't even have to say anything. You just see them. You can see it in their eyes. Their eyes look very dreamy. If you ever look in Richard Pryor's eyes... He looks like he's not there almost, like he's somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like there's something behind there that you can't see, but it's there. And you can see inside like it's a depth. That's Pisces ascendant. And that's just a look that they have. But his overall physiology, most Pisces are tall. Mm-hmm. And they also have a, 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 a way to um, have a round, I want to say roundness, but they're not lean typically. But with Rich, number one, we have K2 in the Ascendant. That shapes everything, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get to the imports of K2 in the Ascendant too much because we have so much to just talk about this man. It would take us on a whole tangent. But we will mention some of those things in a minute regarding that K2 in the Ascendant. But that will change his physiology just to make that mental note, right? But the thing that changed his physiology the most, that gave him the slender, slender, thin look, Right, is his ascendant lord again follow the ascendant lord? It's in the second house of Aries, yeah, 
increases the meta metabolic rate, right? Aries is a fire sign. It's going to increase the metabolic rate, right? Not only to mention it's in a fire sign, it's actually within two degrees, what we would call conjunct, conjunct right? Or within two degrees of Saturn. So then Saturn even further, right, makes that person lean, makes uh, Richard lean and thin, right? That's where you're yeah. seeing the physiology, right? That's where you're seeing the shape because you would say Pisces is expansive, large, right, round, um, right? and jovial, right? But at the same time, you don't see that with Richard, and this is why. This, you know, because you, you, you again, you have to be real careful. You see a Pisces ascending, you automatically start saying, "Yep, this is what that is. This is what it is," and then boom, right? The ascendant lords with the sun. Yeah, and that changes the physiology. So this is just to kind of show why Richard would have that disposition of thin, right? Um, kind of hunched over a little bit. If you ever look, look at Rich, got a little hunch to him, right? That's Saturn at work, right? And that's very close for Jupiter to be at 14 degrees and Saturn to be at 16 degrees, both Pisces, both Aries, and Saturn is debilitated. Right? Yeah. So with that, what happens is when the Ascendant Lord goes into the second house, this individual's individual, identity and his personality is going to be it's going to be strongly influenced by their early childhood, mm -hmm. right? Family life for them was the was the key por uh, portion of what made up his mental and um, emotional disposition because it's his identity, right? Mm. Right, it's his identity, and so when your identity takes this root of being etched and uh, carved by your family. You have to take a look at the family and see what type of family this is. Yeah. And, and the second house has some very peculiar things going on with it. First of all, it has a debilitated Saturn there. So automatically, jump from jump, right? This produces an early childhood that is challenged and dysfunctional, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, this is, produces an early childhood that's surrounded by criminals, um, by lawless family. Right, um, yeah. unsavory, you know, types of, in, of people, right? Not good. Not so, a good troubled foundation. Yeah, very troubled foundation. And this is what Saturn debilitated in the second house would do. And I've seen it over and over in Pisces. Mm. Oh yeah, it works that way. Right. So again, you can see the life taking shape. Just from the ascendant, ascendant Lord in the second house and Saturn being in the second house debilitated automatically. Right? Automatically. I mean, this is, I don't know about you, brother, but it gives my person goosebumps just to be able to see that this person is picture perfect. It, it fits picture perfect with the chart. You can't even wiggle it if you wanted to. Yeah. Right now, the second lord rules the second house, and the second house is the childhood. So now we have Richard identifying with his family, 
right? You mean the first lord? First, lord. I'm sorry, first oh, lord. Thank you. Yeah. We have first lord in the second house. Richard identifying with his family, identifying with his early childhood, and identifying with the values and the speech that they used in the home. Mm. Well, Richard, right, is notorious, right, for having a potty mouth, right? Yeah. And so that literally this person's speech is going to have a lot of foul words. It's written there, but you can see this is a pattern that was formulated from a very early age. Right, very early age. So the second Lord is in the eighth house. Now, further no to further note, when the second Lord is in the eighth house, and the eighth house is a house of unexpected circumstances, it really deals with the hidden side of life. Right? It deals with the, the, the hot side of life that is akin to the genitals or the sexual organs. And that is a side that is not readily disposed in the West. Mm -hmm. It's very hidden. For most parts, yeah. for the most part, in most modern countries, you, unless you're in, you know, in the, in the heartland of, of the homeland, you know, most folks wear clothes. So, again, this is just to know. That, that second order in the eighth house showing an early childhood that has a lot of hidden secrets. Mm. Right? And in addition to that, when the second Lord is in the eighth house, the eighth house is the house of sexuality, not the house of sex, the act of sex, but the house of sexuality, meaning what is produced from sex, what is garnered or nurtured from sex, which is your sexuality. The true house of sex is the seventh house. The eighth house is the house of sexuality, right? So, right, not only that, when you have the ascendant Lord in the second house, that person is keenly tied into their sensory apparatus. Most of your senses are in the second house. Mm. If you understand what the second house represents, it represents the face and the actual, the projection of the head itself meaning what comes out of the head the first house is the head the second house is the face well in your face you have four senses the fifth is a sensation which can in, in, encumber your whole body right which is touch but your smell your taste your sight and your hearing are all in the second house mm. so a person becomes sensory um, um, they become overloaded with the senses. They can become engaged with the senses in a heavy, heavy way. Right? Yeah. And you can see that with Rich because it becomes an ability to control the energy that comes through the first house and kind of numbs it or anesthetizes it because that combination is a 212. And that really means that it's almost like a, it, this particular person can go off and lose himself into himself. When the ascended lords in the second house constantly works, y'all. Check it out. So, the second lords in the eighth, right? And so, this also reveals the eighth house is the house of trauma. The second house is the house of childhood. So, you can connect the two. Second lord in the eighth house equals childhood trauma. Hmm. Now, in addition to that, you can add in the equation of whatever is going on in the 8th house to see the nature of the childhood and what took place and what would have been traumatic to this individual and it was sex because Venus is the ruler of the 8th and it is with the second lord, Mars. Yeah. 
Not only that, Mercury is there. And Mercury is a multiplier. Mm -hmm. So when you know those combinations, you can see clearly that someone had a sexual interaction with him in an early age. Well, it's written, and this is probably in one of his autobiographies, and it's actually it's on Wikipedia. It's out there, right? But he was molested at the age of seven. Mm. So this is pr proof in the pudding, right, that this is what we're dealing with here. Right? I mean, you can't get away from it. Now, here's the other thing I want to make mention, right? When you, when you know these things, right, and here's the other piece, let me, before I forget, let me add this in. Venus aspects the second house as well. So there yeah. is a connection with sexuality in the childhood, by and large. Right? So let's just kind of give us a purview of kind of some of the things he experienced as a child, what we see in the chart that validates this, that shows that this is a karmic thing that he was here to deal with, and a karmic lesson for him to master. Now, whether he mastered or not, that's between himself and his higher and his higher self. That's between him and the supreme being. But we can see there are challenges that were to be met, without a doubt. And it made him who he is. Obviously, the ascended yeah. Lord is you, right? So. Adding in and going further, right, because we now know we can substantiate this, right? Um, he was in, and we use the period, we tie the period in, right, with the actual, what we call Dasha, right? right? We call them a Dasha. It's a, it's, a, it's a planetary period that governs a specific time frame, right? And so he, if I'm correct, right? was in a Dasha period that really called forth this manifestation of this of this action to meant to happen. Right. Um, talking about when he was seven? Yeah. Yeah, I see, I see it, yeah. Right. He should have been in a Venus Mars Dasha. In fact he was. I see Venus Saturn. It if you it depends on how you're calibrated too. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Because from what I can see uh, you might have a Venus Saturn up to a certain point, but uh, Venus. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, I apologize, y'all. My bad. Venus Mercury. My bad. Not Venus yeah, Mars. So one, my bad. One, already somewhere between there. Somewhere between Venus Saturn and Venus Mercury. It's gonna. I would have bet your bottom dollars the later half of that year because of how the Sun energy moves throughout the year. Yeah. I would I would bet it it's at the end of the year because he follows it leads him up to the to the Venus K two period all the way up into to fifty one so in forty eight mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure if maybe I mean our time could be maybe a nudge off yeah. but I would bet your bottom dollar it would have happened after June July of that year so but here's the thing Venus and Mercury are both in the eighth house. Yeah. I mean, you can't get no better than that. <laughs> and then Saturn, let's just say we moved it back. And let's say, oh, not happened in April. Well, guess what? <laughs> He's in a Venus-Saturn period, right? 
all the way up until August of 48. So even then, and yeah. Saturn's debilitated in the second house. Right there again. You can still see between those two Dasha periods, this is when this man was touched. Steep, man. So, you know, moving into some other aspects of this, because I don't want to, you know, stay in that too much. We're going to talk about the moon because we, we, we build the chart, right? We build the being up from the ground up. The ground is the, is the ascendant and what's going on with the ascendant Lord. But then we look at the moon as the mentality, the mindset of this individual, right? And so the moon in the 10th, right, is very, very key because it gives him a very strong drive to, to gain recognition, right? Um, it reveals to the public your childhood. In that phenomenon, that your childhood yeah. at some point becomes, or your life, is at, at some point on personal display. Yeah. Right? Um, he definitely tries to achieve, you know, the highest, you know, status. You know, they call it a fishbowl effect, if you will, because, again, you know, a lot of the daily activity and a lot of the person's life is just, it's pervy, it's privy to the, to the public eye. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, but again, this person's mother becomes key to the key in their life as well. If you've paid attention to what he said, right? Um, he's a public icon. That's what the moon in the tenth house will produce, right? Um, I mean, um, hard to live a private life. You know, can't really get away from the public scrutiny of you know being always looked upon or something happened. You know, Richards in the news in the next five minutes. But he also um, is one that does promote social change, and the moon a lot of, in the tenth house a lot of times will do that. They will prom it will promote it will be the instrument that will try to change things in the world. So I mean, this is the moon in the tenth house. This is this man's chart. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and you, you could I could go on and on, right? But just because of the moon and the power it has in the tenth, I mean, imagine. And think about it like this. The moon in the 10th house means that at the time he was born, the sun was about to set. Mm, couple, maybe four hours. So the moon was right behind the sun in the sky, in the heavens, midday. Right. Hmm. So the moon was right there. You could see it. So when you can see the moon, the person becomes prominent. Right. Because their mind is pretty, their mind is out there. His mind is out there. When he's on stage, you can see his, his mind, it's his mind that he's giving us. Right? It's his filter of reality that makes him who he is. Now, adding in Ju Jupiter, right? Is the planet of joviality, joviality and, and, and humor. Well, the moon is in Sag. So now we've got two things that denote the personality type. That really gives him that ability to make people just laugh. Right? And from a personal perspective. Right? Um, there's a lot of up and downs. A lot of changes in the life when the moon is in the 10th house. And for good reason. Because the moon, what? Changes. Right? Yeah. It waxes and it wanes. You can see the, uh, his life. Right? Has in highs and some extreme lows. Right? But it was always in the public eye. 
right? Now, the moon also represents the mother in a child, in, in a natal chart, right? And so the way we kind of see this is the two things that we look at, and really three, if you will, but automatically when I look at the moon in the 10th house, a lot of people say, well, the mom must have been really powerful, important. Not necessarily. The mom played a major role in shaping his mindset and who he is, either from osmosis or from just being the fact that this person wanted that relationship with her, but it wasn't there. And the reason why it's not there is because we count the fourth from the moon. The moon is what we call a karaka. These are terms that I've we've mentioned in the previous show, so it should be where you're now kind of catching how these things are used, and we'll further explore them as we go. But the moon is the indicator or the karaka of mother. So we look for the fourth house, which is also mother, from the moon to see the interrelationship between the person and his mother. Well, K2, the planet of right detachment, abandonment, right, is in the ascendant. So the person's relationship with the mother is definitely one that was not bonded or not connected in a strong way. Yeah. His mother was an alcoholic. Well, then we look to the fourth house, the fourth Lord in the eighth house yeah, with Venus and Mars yeah. aspected by Saturn and Jupiter. So, again, showing the consistency of the chart um, and in relation to his, his, his life. Now, he also has what's called a Kimadrum, Kimdrum Yoga, right, which is the moon is alone and it's not asked, it's not in. Um, it's not there's a, not a planet in one four seven or ten from it. That means it's a kimadrum so yoga. So that that person had a lonely disposition. Mm. Right? They didn't really connect too well with others in the sense that um, they didn't filter reality in the proper way. They're very much alone, very much by themselves, very much looking at everything from a right from a over here type view and you're over there type view. Yeah. Right. So again, just going in, but Sagittarius moon is powerful in the tent because it gives that person the ability to move the masses. So it's kind of like a catch-22, you know, these things come in twos and threes and fours. One thing can create many other things. So that moon in the tent is a blessing and a curse at the same time. They usually, it, life comes that way. Whatever is your, your positive is always some negative attached to it, and usually in some way. So the Kimadrum Yoke, right, really shows this person is a loner, right? He can stand alone, too, though. That's the good thing. They can, Kimadrum Yoke stands alone. They don't need you, right? They can go through things where you, many people would say, you know what, I need to talk to my cousin. And really, actually, no, you know what, no. He doesn't have technically a chemotherapy yoke because the sun is actually in the 12th house from it. I'm just paying attention to that. But yeah. still similar effects in the chemotherapy yoke from that the, the sun is almost with the moon, which creates a new moon. So it's still very similar. But it is still a moon that shows a person of um, external projections with an internal seclusion, very much to themselves in their inner world but chose to put their world, their life on display at the same time. Kind of ironic. Um, but the other thing is that um, 
I want to talk about is the periods of life that he lived, right? And and before I even delve into that, one real quick thing here, you know, K2 and the Ascendant will also create certain things. It creates um, a perm. It, it makes the person permeable, it makes their their chi, their energy, right, have dips and dips and uh, pieces missing, right, from it. And so this person is literally trying to fill a void. K2 is a void. Right, so when yeah. you have K two in a house, it's a void. It's like a black hole, right? And black holes bend space and what? Time. Time. So K two is always where you're connected to from the past life as well. Little hidden secret, but it's a black hole, yeah. right? So this person has a hole that he has to fill. So when you understand that, and it's the personality. It's him where he feels it physically, right? He has to get this thing filled. And so you fill it with different things. You deal it, you fill it with your career. You fill it with people. You fill it with food. You fill it with knowledge. Or you can fill it with things that can take you out, right? But it has to be filled. That's the key. So... Right, making him um, kind of indecisive at will, at, if you will, um, little apathetic, you know, kind of like numb, you know, not having any real rules or regulations about his life, you know, just mm-hmm. living life as if you were a wanderer. Right, let's say he was, but he was in a way. So, moving deeper, right, moving deeper, right. And the thing is, is that wherever K2 is, there's a ruler. That ruler is the karmic in that planet. That planet is the dictate or the pinpoint of what it is that you're supposed to get out of your karmic right, lessons. And we won't get into that. We'll do another show on that maybe down the line some other time, how Rahu and K2 kind of work. But yeah. um, just know that the family... Right is the real big piece that he came to master and understand, right from another past life that this is something that he had to work out their car- the karmic steel with these people, right. Mm. So, um, getting in further, right now we're gonna look at the sun sign a little bit, and we'll just look at it a little, right, because we got other things to cover in the next thirty minutes, maybe twenty minutes. So. The sun is in Scorpio. Now we've got the body, we've got the mind. Let's look at the core. Let's look at the soul. Let's look at the internal directives of this person, which is intense. Yeah. Right. 16 degrees Scorpio is intense. It's intense. He has a very intense core. Relentless, right? Obsessive, right? Fiercely driven, right? You start to see Richard, right? Because there's a side of him that kind of was like, he's not a playful guy. He's funny. Not not real warm, though. Yeah. Right? Scorpio is serious. And the sun there is serious. Because it makes the person's focus, their internal 
um, barometer to take pressure high. It can take a lot of pressure. Right. So he could get in. He could be on. And, 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 you know, he started off where he, they said it wasn't even that funny. It wasn't. Yeah. But he mastered it. That's Scorpio. When Scorpio is operating out of his higher um, vectors and wavelengths, it, it's all about mastery. It's all about facing your, your demons. Yeah. And so he did that. Right. He did that. Without a doubt. He did that. Um, you know, so the sun in the ninth house also talks about a person, you know, that holds um, a high regard for religion and spirituality, but maybe not participate. The father is yeah. also the son, and the father was also very abusive and also had problems. Hmm. Right? And so we see the father being very aggressive and um, kind of mean. Kind of mean. Straight up. Let's just keep it a buck. Dad was kind of mean. Yeah. Right. And I'm not going to harp on this movie, but it does show it in the movie. Right. It shows it. That the dad was very mean and said some hurtful things, and I think that's what caused him to want to leave. And, do all. and I don't know how true the movie is, but it would make sense with a chart like this. Yeah. It really would. It just makes sense that that would be the disposition of how he and his father interacted. Even though son's in the in the eighth ninth house, the ruler of the son is in the eighth. Mm. Right. Twelve from I mean yeah twelve from it. Yep, twelfth. Not only twelve. Not only twelfth from it, but the lord of the ninth. Yeah, exactly. It's in the eighth. But the sun is there, which makes it a double indicator, doesn't it? Yeah. So now it's like, it's boom, deep. boom. And we look for confluence. Yeah. Well, then Saturn is in opposition to Mars. <laughs> right? And look at the degree of Saturn. 16 degrees Saturn, 14 degrees Mars. Two degree orb. That's tight. Yeah. Mean that. So you see, this is how you begin to construct a person's being and, and lay it out, right, so that you can begin to see. So, he's born in the Venus Dasha, right? He's born into a Dasha period that's ruled by a house, a house ruler that is tumultuous. So he's born into a tumultuous situation. And Venus is within one degree. Of Mars. Thir Venus yeah. is 13 degrees. Mars is 14 degrees. That is a degree. One degree orb. That is super tight. That means that person was born in. in he came into a life. That was designed to give him hell. The eighth house is a hellish house. I mean. If you wanted to describe it. It's a house that is going to rip you apart. And then you can hope. That it puts you back together again. Yeah. Death-like circumstances. Imagine being born into a life that is death-like already, changing at a moment's notice. This is what we see with 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 Richard, right? 
the eighth, the Venus rules the third and the eighth house. Again, honing in on the changes that were destined to he, for him to be born into. I mean, imagine your mother's a prostitute, and that wait, the fourth loco goes into the eighth house of prostitution. Wow. Right? Mm. She's born as a prostitute. You can't have any stability with a mother that is leaning in on a life that is unsavory. You just don't have a stability whatsoever. So you're born in this, into this changing dynamic. Yeah. Right? Just automatic. No choice of your own. <laughs> right? No, like, I'm going to sign up for this and let me go on and do this. No, it's... It's commanded. It's literally impelled that you have to get this done. Right? The soul has a different operation in thinking and reasoning and understanding than our limited capacity. It gives you the things that you need. Maybe not the things that you want, but the things that you need. Yeah. Yeah. So, Venus period up until around 11. Sun period from 11 to right around 17. And this is when he began to live with his father. I mean, this is, this is recorded. <laughs> right? So you can see the falling out with the, with the father right there. <laughs> right? Father's son period's got all kind of stuff to deal with with regards to dad. Right? The falls out with dad, then he enters to a moon period. And then this is when he begins, right, to do certain things to try to set his karmic um, alignment up to manifest what it is. But the moon period lasts until 27. So the moon period is when he gets his start in his profession. And what, is, what house is the moon placed in? Tenth. Profession. Right. So you can, you can see this Without a doubt. Yeah, he enters absolutely. the military at 18. And guess what, what Dasha period he was in at 18? He was in Moon. Moon Mars. Yep. Moon Mars. Moon Mars. I mean, you can't get no... You know. Just saying. <laughs> right? That's his destiny. He entered there, didn't do well, right? I mean, could you imagine Richard Pryor, foot soldier, <laughs> right? <laughs> On the line? Yeah, okay. Nah. That wasn't his thing. And obviously, he saw it for himself. So, you know, during the moon, Dasha, I'm not going to get into all the specifics, right? Because we'd be here for three hours doing this, right? But... The moon in the 10th house in the Dasha period is the start of his career in comedy. Right. Now, the, what's so phenomenal is the father passes in 68. What Dasha is he in in 68? He is in Mars. In 68? What, 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 in the what, very beginning. Oh, moon. Moon, sun. Moon, sun. What did he lose yep. it? What did he lose in 68? Father. 
father is 12th from the moon mm-hmm. in this yeah. period. I mean, you just can't get any better than this, folks. Yeah. Moon, Venus, when he loses his mother in 67. Right? Venus is in the eighth house. Conjuncting the fourth lord of mother. She leaves. These are just all, it's all there. All there. <laughs> it's amazing. That'd be what I said. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Like, you can't get any better than this. Right? So we know when he got his start in his career. We know when he lost his mother. We knew when he lost his father. All, all vindicated through the chart. Right? Yeah. Now, moving deeper in, right? He goes into a Mars Dasha starting 68. In 69, he moves to California and tries to link up with the Black Panther Party in a Mars Dasha. Mars Rahu, to be exact, and Rahu is the planet of rebellion. I mean, you can't, it just can't get any better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, this is when his career really took off, right? And the moon, the Mars is in a Lakshmi Yoga. Lakshmi Yoga in the eighth house? What? They can be in any house. Doesn't matter the house. But the Lakshmi Yoga gave him big blessings. How do we say? Well, Richard is an individual that is, for the most part, when he puts his mind to do something, you can't change it. And Lakshmi yeah. means goal. Right? It just means goal. One that achieves his goal achieves wealth. So Richard's goals to, to use his speech through his body to make others laugh, the, the Lakshmi Yoga is involved with the Ascendant Lord, which is Jupiter, and the Ninth Lord, which is Mars. Mars aspects Jupiter by one degree, less than one degree. That means this yoga is destined to happen in the Mars Dasha period, and he has a Mars Dasha period during his life. This is when you begin to see when the Lakshmi Yoga catapults him to stardom. So, when we talk about the Lakshmi Yoga, right, look at the combination and how it works. Mars' ruler is, in, is Venus, which is in his, the same house. But the third lord is also Venus. And the second lord is Mars in the eighth house with Venus. So we have the second lord and the third lord conjoined. And they aspect the tenth lord, which is career. Make sense? Yeah. That's the Lakshmi Yoga, and its timing is perfect through the whole entire Mars Dasha period. This is how this astrology works. So now we have all of these, I've added all these things up to show you you can't even wiggle it. 
if you wanted hmm. to. That's how we get a good time. Right? It's solid. And it has an AA rating, if I'm not correct, right? Yeah, it does. So, moving deeper in, right? He's in the, the Mars Dasha from um, two, 68, the age of 27, to the ages of 34, which is 1975, right? Yeah. And so, lo and behold, right? The Rahu Dasha period, when it takes over, y'all, and some of you may have experienced this, and you might be going through it, or you might know someone, or what have you. I've been through it, and I have a t-shirt show for it, right? Yeah. And other goodies uh, to go with it, right? <laughs> coming coming soon, coming soon. <laughs> right. But Rahu yeah, is no... You in yours, right? Rahu's no yeah. joke. It just... It doesn't bode well for... It's just... It's very hard, Dasha. It's just... It's a hard, Dasha. And for someone that has it, where Rahu... Is in the seventh house. That's someone that is constantly searching the eternal other. That's what Rahu means in the seventh. You're searching the eternal other. Mm-hmm. And the other can only be found in the eighth house where the karmic distribution planet is. Mm. So mm-hmm. the void that needs to be filled in the first, you're searching through the other in the seventh. Now that Lord goes to the eighth of drugs, of sex. Of drama. Right. Now we begin to see. Rahu's taking full effect. And it's Lord. It's ruler. is disseminating. The karmic. Lessons. Through the 8th house. So Rahu starts in 30, at 34. Look what happens. In 80. He hits a <laughs> Rahu. Saturn. Period. That alone, to me, because I know what it is, speaks volumes. That person is is so highly challenged with emotional disturbances. The person couldn't, it was hard for him to manage. And then to add in the drugs, which is Rahu. You probably got introduced to drugs in the mid-70s when he got to a certain point of his Mars period, but didn't take off with it until he got into his Rahu period. Yeah. And when he got into his Rahu period, well, in 1980, he doused himself, right? It was 1980, correct? I think it's 80. Yeah. Yeah, 1980. June 10th. June, right? The June 1980. So you see how close these periods are. I, 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 I don't know about you, but I would might nudge his time a minute back. Maybe two. Because that'll put it right at June of 75. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, June, excuse me, June of uh, 80. Excuse me. It'll put, yeah, yeah. it'll put it right at June of 80. Maybe July of 80. So, I mean, there's such a hairline degree. It's still very, 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 very close. Mm-hmm. And so when you begin to see this, right? Now we know 
you know, this is dark, this is karma. We what we witnessed in this man's life was his karma. Now, that doesn't mean you gotta go out and burn yourself. It just means that the spiritual techniques that were to avail him of the mentality and the mindset of such a thing just wasn't at his disposal. Yeah. To to our knowledge. Because it could have been. Right? But it wasn't no, you know, it wasn't what we would have access to to, to stave off or to, come, to try to uh, combat that. So, you know, he fell into karma and karma played its hand and he did exactly what the lowest degree of the karmic implications would be. Right? And so he's in a Rahu period until 93. He had a bout with drugs all the way through. So it wasn't just when he burned himself up, that was it. There was more. So you can see Rahu at work <laughs> all day, every day. It doesn't yeah. stop, right? It creates an insatiable, insatiable desire to get something. You just have to know what that something is based on your chart. Yeah. So, yeah. and you have to hit a Rahu Dasha too, right? That's the other mm -hmm. thing. Um, he goes into his Jupiter Dasha, right? I mean, and Mars is when he has his major success. Rahu has a lot of success, too, despite the challenges, right? And you would yeah. make sense because Rahu's still connected to that Lakshmi Yoga, right? Through, through Mercury in the eighth, yeah. right? Still, there's, there's still an interplay. There's still what's called Sambanda or a tie. That's what Sambanda is. It doesn't mean that you have to be in... That planet can be tied in in some way, and it still works. It still gives you the, the, the boons of that particular uh, time frame in, in yoga. So up until, you know, 52, right, he's in Rahu. And I'm sure in 52, 53-ish, at, at 50, age of 52, 53, 93, 94, that's probably when he really started to wake up because Jupiter wakes you up. I had my Rahu Dasha. I was a different person overnight. The next day, when my Rahu Dasha started to kick off, and I'm I'm serious, it was like you wouldn't even know me. That's how much <laughs> impact Jupiter has to clean up the toxins that Rahu leaves behind. Yeah. So I would imagine, and he may have had some similar bouts, but I guarantee you there were nil or probably small in degree in comparison, especially when you begin to notice that he begins to become he begins to become sicker, right? over time and then he checks out right in a jupiter uh moon k2 dasha he checks out right and how would he check out during a jupiter dasha period it rules his ascendant right that should be the time when you should be able to recover from any illness and Provided it's healthy, provided it's strong. But let's take a look. His ascendant lord in the second house, the second house is the house of death. Not the eighth house. The eighth house is how you die. The second house and the seventh house, both of which are called Makara houses, is the timing of death or the instrument of death or the when 
the Grim Reaper is timed to knock on your door, right? So Jupiter's in the second house. There it is. Now, for older people, the second and seventh house is really what you look for. Because in younger people, it's usually not the second house that takes you out. It's some unexpected event. But it can have yeah. some implications there, too. Just depends on how things are set up. But the second house, being a Makara house, and he's of an ailing, he's ailing, he's not healthy, right? Not a healthy 64-year-old man. He was ailing, right? So with that, then the second house can kick in and create the timing of death. So Jupiter's in the second. Moon is in the tenth, but moon is co-ruled by is is the moon is ruled by Jupiter. So now we have kind of a double implication, and we always look for confluence, which is things that add up over time that yield a result. So now we have the moon being ruled by Jupiter in a dasha period of Jupiter, and it's K2 has a sub-period, which K2 is in the twelfth from the moon, meaning it's time to let the body go. Yeah. Um, excuse me, Jupiter, K2's in the 12th from Jupiter, excuse me. K2's in the first house, and the ruler of the first is in the second. So that means K2 is in the 12th from the ruler, and it means it's time to let this physical vehicle go. So Yeah, that's interesting. It is interesting, right? I mean, it's yeah, crazy, yeah. but it's right there. Because K2 is the planet that causes you to surrender to God, to let go, to surrender to the supreme being, the netter, whatever you want to call it, that which cannot be named, but is right, the nameless, named one, you cannot ever name the supreme being, because once you do, you've lost something, but you can try to understand it through his expressions in the universe, and the best thing we could say is that the supreme being is not that which creates what is, which is, but is not. So K2 is that part that takes you to that which is not. You know, um I I, I got I can I can relate to that cuz I lost my mom in a similar type of combination between the moon and K2 um in the fourth house in my case. Um mm. so yeah. You see definitely it. definitely yeah yeah, yeah yeah. You know, so you know, um this is, you know, Richard Pryor's, you know, basic we could go on, right? <clears throat> Trust me, we could go on. We'd be here for a while. But we don't want to go too far and just kind of keep it very general so people can explore it themselves, take the information and apply it and start to work it out, see things that we maybe didn't discuss or see things that maybe, you know, they would like to explore it as a topic in regards to maybe a yoga or a connection between certain things. We always can do that as well. But for the most part, this is this man's destiny. Right? Yeah. Written, if you will, right, in the heavens. So what you think about that one, brother? How you feeling about that one? We good? Yeah, man. It's just, a, you know, I mean, it's just right there, man. I mean, it's, a, <laughs> I mean, even there's even a connection between, you know, that period of time where he, he doused himself in the, um, in the rum mm -hmm. and his death is some, similar things popping off in those dasha periods and those sub just anti dasha periods you know in between them showing those those key moments um so yeah, yeah man this 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 is a good chart to really show 
um, the power of astrology, you know, and knowing what, what, you know, what, what um, destiny has in, in store for you. Indeed. Indeed. It just, you know, when you, when you, when you have the king of the dashes, I could have touched on it through another dasha system. I don't want to do that because it's very comp. It's not very complex. It's just more to learn. But there's another system I use out of Jaimini called Chara Dasha, movable Dasha, mm-hmm. and it works just as powerful if you know how to look at it. Um, I didn't get into the to the Yoga Karakas or anything like that, but just so you know, I mean, uh, not Yoga Karakas, but his um, Chara Karakas, which are indicators that move of things that indicate the soul, the change with each chart. Well, his chart, his Atma Karaka, or the indicator of his soul, is Mercury. Laughter. Right? <laughs> the gift of gab. <laughs> right? That is shown as well. Right? So, you know, just to show, you know, this, this, this chart here is a really good one to use to learn how to study astrology and how to apply a lot of the techniques and the, the uh, methodologies. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, man. I think I think we can we can table this one right there, man. I would say so too, my brother. Good deal. Um. So yeah. Um. You know, just want to remind everybody that this episode was brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calaprusha Astrology. Um. And um. You know, make sure you go follow us on our on our social media platforms and you know our websites and. Emails, you know, email um, Brother Ra, you know, to, to get in the um, consultation queue. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's you a know? queue. It's a queue. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. You know, um, follow us on Instagram at Cosmic Convo. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, we're winding up this season. So, um, you know, we got four more shows. That's right. Four more shows this season. Uh, and, you know, we're going to, um, you know, hit some heavy topics, you know, coming up and stuff like that and end the season off right, you know, and uh, get geared up for the next season or whatnot. And, um, you know, Brother Rod, you got something you want to say before we close out? No, just, uh, uh, you know, use this time wisely. Um, astrology just doesn't talk about or doesn't just highlight planets in signs, houses, and so forth. It really talks about also the timing of things with regards to the seasons. So use this time to reflect, to go in, to come out on the other side when we come out into the so-called new year. Um, use this time to really, you know, get in to yourself. Take your chart and meditate on it. You know, um, take it and walk with it. Take it and talk with it. Take it and explore your your destiny and look at what's going on around you and look at what's going on in you. Because this is what this time of the year is used for: is self reflection. So you know, by all means, you know, no astrology is just not what we study in regards to the movement of planets, but the movement of time and the movement of light and darkness in regards to you know the earth and how the the energy flows. So that'd be my only. Last, you know, tidbit I want to leave with the people is just use this time wisely. Indeed, indeed. So on that note, on that note, you know, thank you all for listening. 
Now we'll be back here same time, same place next week. And uh, we're out. Peace. Peace.